With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Reaction Time, courtesy of our friends at Fairway. We had a big weekend this weekend. Um, Iowa State competed in the Big 12 Championships. They finished officially third in the conference. And I was lucky enough to be in Tulsa, thanks to Fairway. So Ben and I are here to bring you both perspectives. Mine from being in Tulsa and Ben, who spent his whole weekend engulfed in the TV. (laughs) That is true, Um, yes. (laughs) But overall, super pumped to just continue to talk about uh, wrestling, especially as we get so close to the end. Um, overall, Ben, how was your weekend? How was, you know, how was your experience? <laughs> yeah, I years? spent a lot of, yeah, it was a great weekend. Spent a lot of time on the couch watching wrestling, which man, I don't know what more can you ask for. Um, so no, great weekend for me. Um, not, I would say I had an okay weekend. I think that's fair to say. Um, but yeah, overall I had a good one. Yeah, I definitely will say that in years past when not so much last year, but when I was, when I first started, I was still serving at the hotel in Ames. And I remember I watched a lot of these tournaments on my phone because for some reason we were just always very busy during uh, big 12s and NCAAs. So I'd literally be like at the hotel like setting up a room for a banquet with my phone on my arm, watching, watching matches on my phone. So I've come a long way. I got to watch a mat side this time. So very fun. Uh, no, but I would agree with you. I think overall it was an okay weekend. I think in terms of the big 12 in general, that was fine. Like I really enjoyed how much the team score race just completely changed consistently all day. You never really knew where it was going to go. <laughs> no, you had no idea. I mean, even so Oklahoma state has won the big 12 for a lot of straight years, but then Missouri <laughs> comes into the big 12 this year. They win the big 12, um, uh, big 12 championships. And I think a really interesting and notable fact is when they left the big 12, the year they left, they won the big 12 championships. The year they come back to the big 12 for wrestling only, they win the big 12 championships. So Missouri, 
man, they got the big 12's number. I wasn't necessarily expecting, I knew Missouri would be a contender. I thought it'd be Iowa state, Missouri, Oklahoma state, you and I all jockeying for that number one spot. Missouri got it. Not totally unexpected, but I, they wrestled really, really well this weekend. Um, and the surprise team, and it, I don't know why it's a surprise team because it happens every single year. It seems like, but the surprise team of the tournament is Oklahoma who had frankly, just an okay at best regular dual season, but somehow that coach down there, he always gets his guys ready for this big 12 championship and they finished second, Iowa state third, Oklahoma state fourth, which is that's surprising to me too. Oklahoma state finishing fourth. I mean, you could say AJ Ferrari, but AJ Ferrari's not making up a 30 point difference. So that one's surprising that Northern Iowa finishing fifth is, I don't, I don't, I guess I don't have the pulse of that team necessarily, but I'm guessing they're a little bit disappointed in that finish too. Like Iowa state and dresser are. I just looked and it said Oklahoma state was going for their 10th straight title. Yeah. Wow. Which is like painful to hear. And I, I knew this mentally going into it, but I guess I didn't prepare for it once I was there, but the amount of Oklahoma state fans that are there, they alone make the experience so intense. And this is what I missed. And I forgot I missed. And it's, it's exactly why I fell in love with wrestling before I even knew how to properly score like a near fall <laughs> back when I was like 13, it was just so loud in there. And I forgot what it felt like to be sitting and trying to watch two matches at the same time, which is very different once you're in person and then having Oklahoma state at the very end of the row, like being on Matt one while Iowa state's on three and four and their fan base was just losing their mind. So when Oklahoma state was losing, it was dead silent in there. And I have respect for Oklahoma state, but it was beautiful. It was beautiful to just sit and listen to them being silent. And <laughs> I, I wasn't out there um, once they crowned Missouri just because I, I was trying to do interviews with Iowa State, but I can only imagine the how unhappy they were. Yeah, oh, absolutely. What um, For someone that was there, what was the Missouri contingent like? Because obviously Tulsa's a little bit of a ways from uh, Columbus, Missouri, but did they have a fair number of people there? What, what was their crowd like? They did. You know, like Iowa State, you and I – um, and Missouri had like a decent amount of fans, like when Missouri okay. was winning or if something like there was a crazy match going on, they were loud. There was a guy there. Um, I wish I would have taken a photo of him, but there was like a one guy leading the charge and you could hear him. It didn't matter where you were standing. You could you hear could him he on TV yes. too. I know, See? I know who you're talking about. Yep. <laughs> he was just like leading the charge with the chance, with the angry, uh, yelling. And I can't remember who. I think it was, I can't remember now. I think someone tweeted that um, they thought that Missouri and UNI fans were going to go at it because they were sitting directly next to each other. It was like Missouri, UNI, a large chunk of OSU fans, and then ISU in one of the back court, like a corner kind of. And um, yeah, I think at one point they were kind of going, going at it. UNI fan base was also very loud. You could definitely tell when you and I was going at it with OSU because it was just chaotic. Again, absolutely wonderful, beautiful environment. <laughs> but no, Missouri showed out, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the SEC team in the Big 12, they found a way to get it done. Those jerks. I will say, I tweeted this today at Allison Schwab. 
uh, Coach Schwab's wife, she posted a video of uh, Coach Schwab running to pick up his challenge brick he left behind. And it was during their 149 match against OSU. And I can't remember who was wrestling for Iowa State, but they were on mat two and I was down on mat four. And that match was insane. Absolute craziness. But I, you just had to, I seriously was like split eyed watching both matches because it was just so, so loud and such a hostile moment in there with all of the challenges and, I think they just kept having a bunch of calls and a lot of reviews having to happen during that match. I honestly might go back and rewatch it since I didn't really get to watch it, but no. Yeah. I think big 12 fans showed out. OSC definitely was definitely outnumbered everyone, but each school had a mighty fan base. I should say even air force was pretty loud. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about air force too. We talked about the, the people in the top, uh, the team that finished at the top, but I mean, I think air force and Northern Colorado deserve a special shout out too. Uh, they beach, they each had big 12 champions for the first time ever in school history, Northern Colorado crowned uh 141 pounder, Andrew Alraez, and then air force got heavyweight Wyatt Hendrickson to, as a big 12 champion. And both of those guys looked, I mean, Hendrickson, I think he won um, outstanding wrestler for the big 12 after mm-hmm. the term was over. He looked outstanding from start to finish. And then Al Rise has put together a really good season as well. They, yes, that was like one of my favorite things to take away from the tournament that had nothing to do with ISU. It was watching Northern Colorado's coaches just coach. They were just so animated, so intense. And I, I happened to be sitting next to the stage during that match. And I, I was definitely very happy to see them get that win. And, I think as a collective, everyone is always happy for Air Force, um, yeah. except in this situation, you know, where they, you're the team losing to them, which happened to be OSU. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, no, but I think everyone was really happy. Um, I ran into the Air Force team as they were at the airport and I congratulated them because, yeah, it was very exciting to see them win. Um, yeah. Good stuff there. <laughs> um. But ISU competed as well. <laughs> they did. And, and this is an Iowa State podcast. So I suppose we should talk about them, huh? <laughs> I guess. No, uh, yeah, no, it was, it was a decent <laughs> weekend. Um, I mean, Iowa State has nine qualifiers for the NCAA championships, which is great. It was the expectation. Um, Ten would have been a perk, but... Um, Isaac judge finished sixth, um, which I think he had a good weekend. Of course, the main goal there was probably to get an allocation. Um, but I think his overall just, um, great to get himself through, um, up the bracket. Like I said, on Saturday night was very impressive of him. Um, but I think we can definitely start with, I think the most surprising of the weekend, which you and I discussed um, Ramazan at 133 finished in third place. Yeah. Ramazan was outstanding, really, I think, the whole weekend. Um, I don't think I've ever been more impressed by Ramazan in my life. I mean, he won his first match by major decision against um, Garrett Lutenheiser of West Virginia, and then that really set the tone for the rest of the weekend. He lost to Dayton Fix, which makes a lot of sense. Dayton Fix is going to wrestle in the NCAA finals against. Roman Bravo Young most likely 
and Russell, um, those two are going to be meeting the finals of the NCAA championship. So losing to fix, not, that's not a disappointment. And then he comes back. Well, he beats um, Anthony Madrigal from Oklahoma, who is a quality, quality wrestler. And then he beat air forces, Sydney Flores in the third place match eight to five. And that was a pretty convincing win itself. So, I mean, Ramazan to me was outstanding. I wasn't, I, I figured he would earn an allocation. I figured he'd be an automatic qualifier for Iowa state, but I expected him to wrestle that fifth, sixth match or something like that. And he, he far outperformed my expectations. He looked really good the whole weekend, like I said, and it really gives you a lot of confidence for what Ramazan could do at NCAs. I don't expect him to be an all American or anything like that, but he could get a few team points by, Hey, maybe win a point, maybe win a match in the championship championship side of the bracket maybe get knocked off in the second or third round, go to the constellation and win a few matches on the constellation side of the bracket. So, um, no, it inspires a little bit of confidence, um, that he wrestled that well, because he, let's see if he can replicate it. The NCAAs. I feel like Ramazan is an example of, you know, the favorite debate of the <laughs> past few weeks, uh, wrestling in a duel versus a tournament. He clearly was a lot more in his element and enjoyed I feel like himself in the competition than when what we've seen out of the duels, because this season I was definitely very concerned watching him because there was times where, I mean, St. John would be in the corner and just yelling at him to wrestle. And that clearly was not an issue this weekend. Um, and when I got the chance to interview him after he had just the type of attitude that you want to see in a wrestler, he, he made it, he said, I don't have the exact quote pulled up, but the, he said something along the lines of, I didn't come, I'm not going to Detroit to lose something along like that. He was just very confident that he's ready for Detroit. He's excited for that challenge. And, um, like you said, he had convincing wins and his loss to Dayton is not, and I mean, truly it was expected only because Dayton is just so talented. He's like David Carr of his weight. And, yes, exactly. um, so I mean, if I like, if you took Dayton out of that equation and he had someone else, I'm curious how his time would have been in the tournament versus how it ended. But I mean, no, finishing third place is very impressive and I'm excited to see how he turns it up a notch, maybe at NCAAs, but yeah, no, shout out to him. And like I said, he had a very, he had a good, not a good attitude because he was definitely like feeling himself and like, he looked like he was ready to crush the next opponent, which is great. I, I really enjoyed seeing that as someone who was kind of feeling defeated at just covering that weight class. I was just kind of like, well, I have no idea where this is going to go. So I don't have too much crazy focus here, I guess. Yeah. Um, your, your point about um, what would happen if he didn't have to wrestle date and fix, I wanted to see him and I knew it wasn't going to happen there on the opposite side of the bracket, but Kyle Biscoglia from you and I, because when they met up, um, up in Cedar falls, what a month ago now, mm-hmm. Kyle Biscoglia, he took it to Ramazan. Ramazan looked overmatched against him. I would like to see that match re-wrestled because I think it's a little bit of a style matchup. That's a problem for Ramazan, but if he wrestled how he wrestled this tournament against Kyle Biscoglia, I would like to see what would happen in that match because Against, like I said, Ramazan looked overmatched the first time, but if he wrestles well, like he did this weekend, I think that could go a different way. No, I completely agree. And I mean, yeah, I guess the Q 
key thing here is that coach is impressed by guys who can fight their way to win third. And I mean, Ramazan did that. <laughs> so um, we'll see how he does in, a f- in two weeks. Um, but Ben, you said you wanted to go through an order and I started at 133 and I talked about 165. So I'll backtrack. Um, <laughs> Kyson Tarakina, who earned his uh, at-large bid today for the NCAA tournament, um, had a tough finish, finished an eighth. I was definitely in no shape or form predicting that. Um, but I guess when you have to go against Brody Teske, I can see how you get there, but what were your overall thoughts there? Yeah, Kyson underperformed, I would say, relative to what I expected. But when you look at the bracket he had to go through, it's a little bit more expected, if that makes sense. So first match mm-hmm. against Brody Teske, figured that one goes either way. He lost that match 6-5. to five. Falls to the um, consolation side of the bracket. First match against Rodriguez from North Dakota State, no problem, wins at 6-2. to two. The problem was... Taylor Lamont, the number two seed from Utah Valley, he lost his first match against Joey Prada from Oklahoma. So that he dropped that to the Constellation side of the bracket. So Tarakina's second match in the Constellation side of the bracket was against the number two seed. So technically, you're expecting him to wrestle the number seven seed, Joey Prada, and I like Tarakina in that matchup. Against the number two seed, Taylor Lamont, who has proven to be an All-American caliber wrestler, man, that's tough. So Tarakina loses that match. He falls to the seventh place match. And um, that was against Patrick certain from Missouri. And we know that one's already a tough matchup. Certain beat Tarakina in the dual meet and Tarakina lost that match um, five to three in sudden victory. So when you look at who he wrestled, I guess it makes sense. But when you, from your <laughs> pre-tournament expectations you'd want him to wrestle a little bit better so it's a weird he got a tough it wasn't a tough draw necessarily but it turned out to be a really tough draw because he got some top end guys who probably didn't expect him to wrestle at that time and at in those matches so he, he had a tough tournament i uh i definitely think that he's the type of guy who will take this and just you know, throw that chip on his shoulder and go and try his best to just exceed the expectations of him at the NCAA. Because when I watched that championship match between Brody and remind me who was the other kid. Um, I just picked away from it. Oh, no, that's the wrong weight. Sorry. Hold on. Killian <laughs> Cardinal from West Virginia. Yes. Yes. When I watched those two guys wrestle, I was like, Tarakina could definitely be in this with either of them and it would have been a good match either way. And so I think, yeah, like you said, it just ended up being a tough draw for him. And because of who his opponents were, it, I think it's tough and it sucks that he got pinned, but overall, I think he's again, just like when I left the tournament, I wasn't concerned about him getting a a bid. I was pretty confident he would given his, quality wins over the season and all of the other factors. I just knew they would line up correctly and they did. He's going to the championships, but again, I'm just like not really worried about him. Like I am confident he'll go and do his thing. Yeah. Agreed. And you, you mentioned if he would, uh, let's say he beats Teske in that first match. Um, if he makes it to the championship against Cardinal, he beat Cardinal earlier this year. So we know that he is a big 12 championship level wrestler. 
he just got a really tough draw that wasn't necessarily supposed to be that tough. So it's unfortunate for him, but he's going to be in the NCAA championships and that's when it really matters. So let's see what he can put together there. Um, and then we go on to Ian, which that Oof. OU kid, <laughs> Ian was not feeling well, unfortunately, when he went into his first match, which he went against uh, Jacob Butler of OU. He lost seven to four. Coach basically said he had a very upset stomach, wasn't feeling good. Not a good situation. If you watch the match, he definitely, you could just tell he wasn't himself. He ended up wrestling his way through, won his next two matches, um, and then unfortunately lost in the consolation semifinals five to three against. <laughs> can you pronounce Dylan Drogelmuller. Drogelmuller. <laughs> I can't pronounce it. Oh, I'm so sorry, Dylan. Um, but he ended up wrestling for fifth place against Jacob Butler again, which when I was sitting, I was sitting at Matt four when they went up and I was just like this kid again, <laughs> <laughs> the, the beauty of tournaments. And, you know, he lost the first one, but he won, or he won this one, eight to seven, which I mean, that, that Butler kid is very good. I think he's very good. It's, I think I enjoy watching them wrestle each other just because I think he is very tough on Ian. And sometimes we often see guys just get absolutely grinded down by Ian. So it's super interesting to watch him and Jacob Butler wrestle. So I guess in a way it was exciting to see him go against each other two times, but um, definitely didn't expect Ian to have a fifth place finish. I think it's disappointing you can't control outside factors. So him getting sick obviously really sucks, but I mean, losing five to three against Dylan Drogue. <laughs> oh, my biggest pet peeve is people mispronouncing athletes names and here I am. So yeah, five to three loss. I think that one was a little harder to swallow than knowing he just didn't feel well in that first one. Yeah. That, that Drogue Mueller match was disappointing. I expected Ian to, win that match relatively handily uh, and get to that third place match. And I think Ian would have done well, no matter what in that third place match, but uh, that Drogo Mueller loss was very, very the, well, the first Jacob Butler match was that loss was unexpected. So Ian had two really unexpected losses this weekend. You could chalk, I suppose that up to him not feeling well. I don't, I, I wasn't him. So I don't know how bad he did feel, but you could see it in that first match for sure. And then the Drogo Mueller match, you have to think it was something again because that's a match that Ian wins handily in, in most situations, but um, it's good to see him wrestle Butler again and uh, change that result. But you'd like, you would have liked to not seen him wrestle again the first time and just win that match. But <laughs> right. that is what it is. Which I, uh, something I found just very interesting. I met Ian, Ian Parker's father this weekend and, you know, parents love to talk about their kids. And so he talked a lot about just, you know, Ian's decision to stay when the coaching change happened and like the way Ian's wrestling style has changed a lot. And he talked a lot about the way Ian used to struggle a lot to ride guys and like just the adjustment of him, you know, really honing and perfecting that part of folk style. And I just found that so fascinating because I'm like, all we do is talk about how Ian will win low in low scoring matches, but it's because he rides his guys out so hard. So yeah, he rides just, real hard. 
So I found that just little nugget. So, so, so interesting um, when I got to meet his dad and talk about that. So, but that's just a little side note there, but yeah, hopefully Ian can bounce back and have a better finish um, in two weeks in Detroit, especially since this is it for his collegiate career. Um, he'll definitely still be around and wrestling is going to be something he does, I think for as physically long as he can, but nothing there. I don't think there's anything like closing out your college career, hopefully on a high note. So, which only transitions into the same conversation with Jared Dagan, who ended up finishing fourth place. Um, same thing with him. Um, he definitely didn't finish the way he wanted. Um, I texted Sita when I did this interview, but after Jarrett beat um, Josh Edmond from Missouri, it was his consolation semifinal match. Um, I dead sprinted after him into the tunnel and he had a bloody nose. You know, he was so full of emotion. He was very excited after that match. I posted that photo of him with his tongue sticking out when he was celebrating. Um, but yeah, he was definitely very um, passionate about trying to finish third again with coach preaching that the importance and the grit that goes into being third. Um, it was definitely disappointing to see him fall and lose eight to six um, against Colin Robuto. <laughs> Did I say that right? I think so. Um, in the third place match and finished four. So what was your takes yeah. on that one? Yeah, Dagan had a a weird tournament, which I suppose is fitting for him since his style is so interesting. <laughs> um, and his uh, his quarterfinal match against Willie McDougal of Oklahoma, Dagan was ahead that entire match, and it looked like he was going to win. And then in the last 20 seconds, McDougal got in on a leg and was able to finish. And that was – you could tell that hurt because Dagan wins that match or he's going to go – um to the finals or so that would have been the semifinal match sorry apologies in the semifinal match against william mcdougall um yeah i got taken down late and that was the reason he lost and that was tough but then like you mentioned in his match against josh edmund from missouri that was a 15 to 13 match and dagan gave up the first four takedowns and he ended <laughs> up winning 15 to 13 and that's just it's the most Jarrett dagan thing ever and it was such a fun match to watch. I think Jack, you and I were talking about it before. Um, we both hoped that he was going to wrestle Josh Edmond again, because in their dual meet match, I think it went to sudden victory and it was like eight to six or 10 to six, or 10 to eight ended up being the final score or something like that. And it was just a super fun match to watch because both guys just let loose. Like they're both out there wrestling free and they just go for it. And whatever happens, happens. And that's, that's what happened in this one. They 15 to 13, that's a lot of scoring in wrestling. So that was an incredibly fun match to watch. Uh, Dagan ended up winning it. Um, he got a takedown. Dagan shot twice and he got two takedowns off of his own shot, which is if you watch Jarrett wrestle is a little bit surprising sometimes. So Jarrett um, shot twice, got two takedowns off his shot. The second one was in the, again, it was the um, buzzer or the clock was counting down. And it was 13 to 13. I figured, hey, sudden victory is going to come. And Dagan got a cheap little tilt. He wouldn't call it a cheap little tilt, but he got a cheap little tilt and got two back points and ended up winning 15 to 13 as the buzzer sounded. So 
that was a really, really fun match to watch. I, what I love about it is how you truly don't know who's going to win. Like, even though Edmund had that solid start, I, I was not worried because you could just no, tell I wasn't that either. it was cooking. It was cooking. You could tell Dagan was going to get there. And I was a little nervous there at the end. And I think this is one of my favorite things about people who fight back is that, and this is very much applies to Jarrett because he said it himself. If I, if I'm the guy who starts slow, but can finish on top, then it is what it is. And I just really enjoy watching guys who fight until the last second. And that's what Dagan did in this match is when he got those last two takedowns, that was, I was probably holding my breath. <laughs> like I probably was like watching that. Cause I was just like, this is going to go either way. And when I was able to grab uh, Jared after the match, once he caught his breath and cleaned up his bloody nose, he, <laughs> he said it himself. He's like, I, he said, I hope, and I wish I could wrestle him again because that was so much fun. And you can tell he's on the way out because he wasn't afraid to call out his OU opponent. He's like, I don't like wrestling him. It's not fun. It like, there's just really no action to it. it just hangs on his legs. And during that match with Edmund at one point, I think it was early. I think it was in like the first period. They kind of slapped each other yep. and not in, not in a, not in, you know, they weren't really, it wasn't very good. It, you it was a hard it. hand fight. We'll call yep. it that a hard hand fight. <laughs> yep. And this, and the ref stopped, like stopped. I was like, come on guys, let's wrestle clean here. But you could just tell they were having fun. And like you said, definitely wrestling free. I don't know what year Josh Edmund is, um, but Jarrett Dagan definitely was having fun and letting it fly, which is what you want to see out of these guys. And I know it can be hard to do that when maybe you're a freshman and you still have a lot of, a lot of years left, but it was exciting and honestly really fun to watch uh, Dagan do that. And I know he would have preferred to finish third. I obviously would have enjoyed that for the team race, but it was, I definitely did enjoy watching him and I'm excited to see what he does in Detroit, especially since he's still healthy and we've yeah. seen what a healthy Jarrett Dagan can do. So I think he's going to be fun. A healthy Jarrett Dagan is an all American. He's proven that. So we'll see what he can do. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, David Carr, big 12 champion. It was a, I don't want to say uneventful because I don't want to say that, but it was just kind of like David got down to business. You know, he did his job. He did what everyone expected him to. He was the number one seed continues undefeated, you know, 
he is truly in dresser could not have had a better situation lined up for him than having David Carr be the face of the program, the way he is. Um, yeah. David Carr is phenomenal. And I mean, the main story that I wrote of this weekend is who David Carr is to this program. And, um, and that's said across the board, like both, I told you this, both Carr and Dresser called Carr a big team guy. And this was at different times in different tunnels. Like, I don't even know if they had necessarily talked yet. And when I talked to them, they both used that. And so it stuck out to me. And all David wanted to talk about after his win was that he was upset that his team wasn't able to have as much fun as him. Or that, you know, he was really focused on how how the team can prove themselves next. And one of my favorite things coach said is that David is this person in the room who is almost an extension of the coaching staff, but who has really pushed his teammates to believe that they can do anything they set their minds to. And that's a confidence that David is so young. <laughs> and I, I am sure his father has a lot to do with that, instilling that confidence in him. And that's amazing because I definitely was not as confident as David probably at anything I did. Cause how old is he now? Like <laughs> 21? 20, 20, oh, I was going to say 20, 20, but he might be 21 now. I, I, can't, sure. I can't remember, but I definitely was not anywhere close to the, you know, just how wise already he is. And I think it's it, like we've said all season, it's incredible that David walked out the big 12 champion and the story still isn't about how he was a champion. It's who he is to his team and what an impact he has on his team. And for a season where coaches are saying like this season was like the turning point for our guys. I think that's awesome. Yeah. And I think, like you said, David had a lot to do with that being the turning point as well. Um, as much of a team guy as he is, and that's great for him. I'm going to talk about him individually because he's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, yeah, he had a great tournament. He first match won by fall, second match won by tech fall, third match against Jacob Wright from Wyoming, who is a tough competitor. Um, car won that seven to four, but you could kind of see Jacob Wright trying to slow that match down and really just hang on car. Um, so convincing win. I don't they, Wright never threatened Carr in that match. It was just not as wide of a margin as maybe Carr expected it to be. And then in the championship match, uh, he got Jared Franick, who came into the tournament ranked, I think, number five overall um, in the nation. And he, I've I've talked about Franick and how he wrestles Carr before and how he just kind of doesn't wrestle. He wrestles <laughs> from a knee. He wrestles to slow Carr down. Again, I don't think he took a shot in this match. I don't think he took mm -hmm. a committed shot that got to Carr's legs or got close to threatening Carr's legs. And Carr won eight to two. So really convincing win, two points away from a major decision. But you can just see in that. And like I said, Frannick was the number five ranked guy at that weight. There are one or two guys maybe nationally that could challenge Carr if Frannick is the number five guy. And those guys are Ryan Deacon from Northwestern and Ja'Cory Teamer from Arizona State. But if memory serves, and I should have looked this up beforehand, um, I think Carr beat Teamer by major decision last year. So I'm not even sure he could stick with him. So I think it's really just Ryan Deacon at Carr at that Ryan Deacon and Carr at that weight, 
because if Frantic's the number five guy and he doesn't even shoot against him, um, no, it just it just goes to show how dominant Carr is. So according to this, David Carr beat Jacory January eleventh of twenty twenty in a four to one decision. Four to one. Okay, so it wasn't it wasn't a major decision, um, but yeah, it's four to one is relatively convincing, <laughs> and. I'm not sure that, I mean, Teamer might be able to stick with him. They're a couple years older now, but David, David gets exponentially better each time he wrestles and he's, he's a tough out no matter what he's really tough out no matter what. And so, man, it's, it's so much fun to watch David wrestle. I wish his opponents would wrestle him. Um, I wish Frantic would get off his knee and maybe actually okay. take a shot once in a while, but that's a, we can save that rant for another day. I've already talked about it enough, I think. <laughs> well, it's just one of those things. I'll, I'll keep it short and short and sweet. The, the comment I made to you is Frannick could learn so much about himself. If he just shot a couple of times in that, even just in the first period, if you just feel yourself out, see how far you can go as an individual against David Carr, who's not going to allow you to get to his feet. It brings me back to the UNI match. That you and I kid can't remember his name right now. I am so sorry. Um, he, um, he went for it. There was moments in that match for, for a split second where I was like, is he about to take David down? And it's because he tried like, sure. David's probably going to take you down. There's a 99% chance he will. And just, just do it. Just, I think, like I said, a lot to learn from yourself from David Carr and, Unfortunately, yeah, Jared Frannick is very boring when it comes to David. So, but no, Frannick is, yeah, no, I'll keep going. No, you can, I was just going to say, David Carr is David Carr and he continues to grow. <laughs> and that's the thing. Frannick is clearly a good wrestler. He beat Jake or Derek Holschlag from Northern Iowa, who wrestled Carr well, relatively. He beat him eight to four. He beat Justin Thomas five to four. So he's clearly a good wrestler. He's beaten good guys. You know, he doesn't beat good guys, but against Carr, he just, he doesn't go for it. And I wish he would. Well, he was the number two seed at the tournament. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I'm excited to see David at, um, in Detroit. He is, this is what he looks forward to and he likes to go out and have fun. And that's in, I, I think an awesome mentality to have. And so um, Metcalf said it himself and Metcalf works with David um, very closely. And all of now that they're heading into nationals, they'll start splitting the guys up into individual workouts with either St. John or Metcalf and Carr does those with Metcalf. And Metcalf said that his biggest takeaway is just the way Carr continues to separate himself. And he's just so freaking talented that sometimes it's just insane to me how much we are going to continue to watch him grow and how much more dominant he's going to get. And it's, it's one of those situations where I think it truly is a privilege to get to watch David Carr. Just like I can't even imagine the privilege it is to be someone who covers Minnesota and be able to cover mm -hmm. Gable Stevenson. Like, yes, I, I cannot even imagine. <laughs> Yeah, those two uh, guys are on different levels than the rest of us humans. They're they're a different breed. I know. I I don't know where my future lies with Detroit, but if I could, I would not only go because obviously want to cover Iowa State, but 
to be able to watch Gable in his final NCAA tournament, it's going to be insanity there. So, but like we said earlier, this is an Iowa State podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We've talked about Isaac, absolutely fought his way, um, ended sixth. Um, Unfortunately, he did not receive an at-large bid, so he will be um, the lone Iowa State wrestler who won't be wrestling at the tournament. But I enjoyed seeing how he's able to fight. I think Isaac was one of the guys I was going to mention when it comes to you can learn a lot about yourself when you're wrestling really good guys, even if you know you're going to lose. And I feel like when I watch Isaac at times, he definitely shoots and tries his best, even in those like final seconds, when you know he's lost this, there's like nothing that he can do to win this, but he's still fighting. And that's what's going to make him better is that he makes every second count. Even when he knows that he's like in this first match, he lost uh, 13 to five versus number two, Peyton Hall from West Virginia. So I think that was my biggest takeaway with Isaac judge this weekend. Yeah. The fact that he was in a position to earn an automatic qualifying bid to wrestle for third or fourth was a huge Testament to him because he is the seventh seat. He wasn't really expected to be in that position to wrestle for third or fourth. He got to that match. He gave himself an opportunity. Unfortunately, he didn't quite get it, but um, Isaac judge, he'll be back next year and we'll see what he can do. We'll see what he can take from this experience because he got close. Can he take the next step? Uh, Joel Devine at 174. Joel basically met the expectation that was set of him. He was the number seven seed and he finished seventh. Yeah, he um, met every expectation I had for him, which they weren't high expectations. The, my expectation was him to be an automatic qualifier. Big 12 had eight automatic qualifying spots at 174. He lost the matches I expected him to lose to. He won the matches I expected him to win, and <laughs> he finished seventh. And convincingly, he won that seventh place match six to zero. And it was, it was exact. It went exactly to script. And I'm not sure the rest of the tournament we could say um, that about anything. But Joel Devine followed the script. Which in this situation, he's going to Detroit, and I think that's the most important thing in this situation. And I mean, in Joel Devine's like, I guess, defense, not necessarily, I want to say in his defense, but just from how I've watched him compete this season. And you can definitely give your take on how you've seen him, but I feel like divine has definitely shown improvement and can, and I, I think what I like the most about Joel divine, and I hate comparing him and Isaac, but Isaac has a very like soft spoken personality to him. He's, you know, he's very, he's a very nice guy. Every time we interview him, very, gives you answers and he seems just happy to be here. (laughs) Whereas Joel divine has like this attitude to him. Like once you get him talking, he's definitely like cocky and he's ready to just go in there and rip people's heads off. And I enjoy that about him. And I enjoy seeing him compete in the way he's like grown physically, if that makes sense. Yeah. If there's one thing I'd like to see more from Joel divine is to back up his talk a little bit more. If he wants to rip someone's head off, I'd like to see him score eight points in the match. Um, He generally wrestles low scoring matches. He's he likes to hand fight and those sorts of things. And I get it, but um, I'd like to see him open up his offense a little bit more. Um, I think that'd give him a little bit, a few more opportunities, but um, I'm sure 
who am I when he's dealing with coaches who have won multiple national championships? So they know more than I do, but that's my two cents that no one asked for. No, this is what we get paid to do here. <laughs> Give our thoughts on this podcast. <laughs> um, and I think Joel Devine's like a big guy. Obviously, he's wrestling at 174, but I on, I tweeted this. His body is just so lanky, and it reminds me of Jared in a way. So when he's like, when guys are tossing him around, I'm just like, he's a big guy. <laughs> yeah, he's Joel's just, really tall. He's very tall. Um, yeah, well, we'll see how he can do. I continue to just kind of have no expectations not necessarily in a negative way. I'm just kind of like open to whatever he can give us essentially is how I feel about Joel divide. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's a fair expectation for Detroit. I don't think you're expecting him to get to the round of 12 or anything like that, but Hey, win a few matches similar to Ramazan, win a few matches, get a few team points and get, get really good experience against high, high level wrestlers. Right. Um, well then we shift into someone who has had a lot of growth. Marcus Coleman finished third place. Um, we touched on this Saturday night. Um, unfortunately, Marcus got some really tough news this weekend. His grandfather passed away, and he found that out right before his semifinals match, which is unfortunate. He lost eight to four, um, but he was able to finish strong. Um, won by medical decision. Medical decision. Oh my god, that's where my brain is. I think I've seen medical forfeit so many times. <laughs> Yikes. Um, Big 10 tournament. What? We don't need to get into that because it's not the Big 12. Not an Iowa State podcast. Not a problem in the Big 12. Just putting it out there. Um, uh, Major decision win for Marcus Coleman. uh, 19 to 6. Um, If you didn't watch that match and you have the ability to, I recommend you do. Simply because watching Marcus go through that match. And especially after I got the chance to talk to him, uh, I posted the clip on Twitter, but Marcus was very candid and said like straight up, he did not want to wrestle. He did not want to compete. And I don't blame him. I cannot imagine um, losing your grandpa in the middle of competing. And you have to literally wake up and go train like nothing happened. Like that has to be so, so difficult. And he said that he did it anyways. He woke up, he warmed up and he kept, you know, a straight face and went and did his job. And he said that he did it for his teammates. He knew he had to finish strong for his teammates and the team points he earned uh, by getting third place very much made a difference. And um, I am very grateful as a person who, you know, does covers wrestling in so many different ways that I was able to capture photos of Marcus in that moment. Um, he did get very emotional after, which again, for good reason. And I did share those on Twitter and you won't see this on TV, but when Marcus went up to the podium to receive his third place medal, all of the guys on the other teams, um, it seemed like went up to him and, you know, told him that they were sorry and just like gave their condolences, which, I thought it was one of those situations where it goes beyond the sport, you know? And mm. so I feel like Marcus was one of those things where it felt good to see him get that third place finish, especially when they have this rhetoric, that third place is such a tough thing to do. 
Yeah. Uh, I have multiple points to make. The first is, yeah, we didn't see that on TV at all. I had no idea about that. That's um, really interesting. That's awesome that that happened. I think wrestling is a, it's a very individual sport. They all know what each other's going through and to have what happened to Marcus happen. um, It's really cool to hear that all the other wrestlers sort of rallied around him and um, helped him out even from opposing teams and stuff. Um, The other thing I wanted to say was Jack, you did a phenomenal job capturing that moment after the match, after his third place match. Um, Those pictures were heart-wrenching they were emotional um they were very very well done so congratulations to you on those those are great pictures um third thing actually marcus coleman i think he had the best tournament he could have had under the circumstances i think he wrestled really really well the only match that was a disappointment was and disappointment air quotes um was the jerick maya camp match against missouri the match he lost and i think what you said was he found out before his semifinal match against Jeremiah Kent from Missouri. So how do you expect a guy to wrestle after he finds out news that his grandpa died? It's so that, that match to me, it is what it is. He comes back the next day after he loses that match. And the first match back, he wrestles um, Parker from North Dakota state beats him by tech fall, incredibly convincingly 18 to two. And then, like you said, in his third place match, major decision, 19 to six against Keegan Moore from Oklahoma. In the first match, that was Marcus Coleman's first match of the tournament, Keegan Moore. He won that match nine to five. So he extended that. He won 19 to six. Um, he wrestled with a purpose um, the whole second day. And I can't say enough good things about how Marcus wrestled this weekend, especially considering the circumstances he was under. He's just such a dominant wrestler. And it it is probably one of my favorite just kind of storylines is watching the way he turned it around just because – the old Marcus Coleman was just clearly still young, had different priorities. Um, he obviously always had the talent, but it was just a matter of him figuring it out. And when it comes to Coleman, I truly think it comes down to he is his own worst enemy. And to see the way he's just completely focused his entire, just everything about how he's competing is just super I don't know, inspiring almost because he goes in and it's more often than not, he's winning these matches convincingly. Like it's not just like going in and winning three to two, two to one. And um, like you said, given the circumstances to go in and get a tech fall in a major decision is big. And that third place match, especially, I feel like there were moments there in the end. I think it was before his last two, um, the coaches were like, encouraging him to just push a little more, like get those extra, those last two, last two or three takedowns. And you could tell that he just looked defeated and I fully understand it given again, everything that was on his mind, but to see him fight for his team, for himself and for, I'm sure for his grandpa, especially since, I mean, you saw him in the photo, he immediately points up. He was very emotional and his performance goes beyond just wrestling with a purpose. Cause if you look back at the season, he's been a phenomenal wrestler and I'm excited to see what he can do in two weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And Marcus Coleman has had an excellent season. He has four losses this season to two, two guys. So two guys have beat him twice. Parker Kekaisen from you and I, who has proven to be a top four wrestler this season. And then Jeremiah Kent from Missouri beat him twice. But outside of that, Marcus Coleman, even in those matches, he's looked pretty good. Um, 
but outside of those, he's been a dominant wrestler, like you said. And um, Intermat has dropped him down in the rankings to number sixteen, which I, I don't know why. Uh, I'm looking at the <laughs> I'm looking at the top eight, and yeah, top four really good wrestlers. He'd have a hard time, really hard time, against any of them on his best day. But after four, you get five, six, seven, eight. I think I like Coleman against a lot of those guys. Um, so I think there's, if Coleman is wrestling well and his head is, if outside circumstances aren't impacting him too much, uh, I like his all American chances at NCAs and we'll get into and NCAA tournament talk here in a week or two or whatever. But, um, no, I like Marcus Coleman and, um, the, the place he's put himself in. Definitely. Which also makes me excited that he will be back next season. Like I'm excited to see how far he can go next year. Um, but we're still focused on this year. We're in the most important uh, stretch of the entire season, which Younger Bastida finished fifth. Um, I don't know. I guess it's one of those situations where Stephen Buchanan uh, from Wyoming, he, who he faced off in the semifinals, I fully anticipated him giving younger a true challenge, just like he did in the duel. I was surprised to see him get pinned. Um, but again, Stephen Buchanan is a very talented wrestler. And one of those situations where I was not surprised, um, but not in a bad way. You know what I mean? Like, I just know that Steven is one of the guys this season who can really give younger a run for his money. Yeah. Stephen Buchanan is Intermat has him as the number two ranked wrestler in the nation. So he's no slouch at all. Um, younger Bastida took him to sudden victory in the dual meet earlier this year. Like you said, unfortunately he got pinned at the NCAA tournament. Um, but Bastida, tournament. I think our big 12 tournament. <laughs> thank you very much. Um, I think Bastida had an okay tournament, relatively speaking. He beat Rocky Elam from Missouri again. And if you watch that match, that was Rocky Elam's nose literally could not stop bleeding. It was ridiculous how often the ref stopped that match to make Rocky put another tissue in his nose. Um, but Bastida got through that one, four to three, like you said, meant um, lost by fall to Buchanan. And then Jacob Woodley from Oklahoma just seems to be, and I don't know why necessarily seems to be a terrible matchup for Bastida because Bastida lost again, this time one to zero. Um, the only point was an escape by Woodley. Bastida chose neutral when he had his choice. Um, and I don't think if I remember right, I don't think there was a stall call in that match. Maybe there was just one when Bastida forced um, Woodley out when he got into a tie up that he liked, but that was one where I, Woodley didn't really open up that much and Bastida, he couldn't find an opening. So Woodley just seems to be a terrible, terrible matchup for um, Bastida. But then the fifth place match, we mentioned medical forfeits earlier. Obviously, Big Ten had more than a few of them. But um, Owen Pence from North Dakota State did medically forfeit to younger Bastida. I don't know the circumstances behind the Pence medical forfeit. I wasn't following his tournament that closely. But um, an okay tournament for younger. Beat a guy in um, Rocky Elam. That, that's a good match you wanted to win. I'd like, I would have liked to see him get over the Jacob Woodley hunt though, or Jacob Woodley hump. I would like to see him get over that hump and um, get out on top of one of those. Uh, Jesser did say after the session that he as a coach maybe made them made a mistake there and should have had him start. 
on bottom. But like you said, it's just such a weird matchup. And if that's the sentiment from us, I can only imagine from a coaching perspective, which I guess makes sense why you had him go neutral when given the way the match was stacked up at the time. But like I've, I've said this before in the past, and I, I said this Saturday, but I think with Younger, we just he's just still growing and still has a lot to learn. And if fifth place is how he finished, I, I guess I'm not necessarily like super disappointed. Like I definitely felt he could go um, even higher, but I'm also not like sitting here thinking, wow, this is super disappointing. He completely sucked. You know, like that's not how I feel, feel at all. I just, I can see it and rationally think, okay, this makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And here's the thing, like, even though I got fifth at big 12s, he's still a top 10 wrestler at 197 because 197 is such a deep weight. Um, that's going to be one of the most interesting weights to watch at the NSA championships, just in terms of there's going to be some crazy upsets at that weight. And you're going to want to stay on the top side of that bracket for as long as possible, because there will be upsets and you don't want to lose a match. You maybe you don't want to get upset because there's a probably a pretty good shot that another guy got upset and you don't want to be matched up in a, uh, um, a Kyson Tarakina type thing where you're facing the number two guy on the backside of a bracket. And that could happen at 197. So, um, yeah, if Younger Bastida has a good weekend. He could still – All-American is not off the table at all for Younger Bastida, even though he finished fifth at the Big 12s. It's a testament for, to how deep the Big 12 is at 197. And like I said, that's just a, such a wide-open weight this year that really anything could happen. Which is awesome. Awesome as a wrestling fan to watch. <laughs> that too, um, yeah, Absolutely which then we have Sam Schuyler, um finished fourth. Um, overall, I feel like I don't have super aggressive feelings about it. I definitely did not love watching him lose six to one against Zach Elam from Missouri. Um, but yeah, overall, I guess I feel like fourth is a decent finish. Yeah, he had an okay tournament. I think the Luke Serber match there in the semifinals was disappointing considering the circumstances. So Sam Schuyler won his first match in Sun Victory um, mm-hmm. against Brandon Metz of North Dakota State. And then here's one of those upsets again. Luke Serber upset Zach Elam six to four. Luke Serber was the seventh seed. <laughs> that that gave Schuyler an opportunity to get himself to the finals wrestling the seventh seed. Unfortunately, Lost that match three to two, sent him to the back side of the bracket where he um, uh, wrestled um, Heinzelman from Oklahoma, won that match handily, which you'd expect him to do. And then he wrestled Elam in the, in the third place match, like you mentioned. And that's just a bad matchup for him. Elam is really, really good on top. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a tough matchup for Skyler. But I, man, he had, a, he had an opportunity to make the finals. And unfortunately, he couldn't quite capitalize on it. I'm definitely excited for Sam Skyler. I was worried about the heavyweight uh, just overall with Gremmel's departure. I was concerned to see who would really fill in those shoes. And I, I do enjoy having Sam in that position and I do enjoy watching him wrestle. I, especially I think the NDSU match <laughs> because he's just so, mm-hmm. when you compare the two guys, like NDSU guy is so big and Skylar is just so such a small 
heavyweight. And I think it's really enjoyable to watch how he wrestles since he's a little more scrappier than your typical two to one, three to two matches and heavyweights. Um, so I do look forward to seeing who he continues to be on the team in general. Like I'm excited that he'll be here next season, but yeah, it was, it was definitely disappointing the way the bracket lined up for him and to see kind of where he ended up. But I mean, fourth place is still a good finish. And yeah, I think in his seed. situation. Yeah. Yeah. Three seeds. So you expect to wrestle that in that third place match. So it's not like he severely underperformed or anything. I think he just missed an opportunity with the upset that happened in that first round. Well, I think it's one of those where you look at like Kyson had Elam not lost. He would have had somebody else in that matchup and it would have been an easy win. I think for him to finish in third place. Yeah. So, but that's the beauty of tournaments. <laughs> it is. They're wild, wild things. We obviously basketball has March madness and that's well known, but wrestling, it has, like we, we talk about um, when we do previews, we talk about how we think things are going to happen. And it, it seems like it's easier to do that in wrestling because we're so David Carr is going to be a national finalist. Dayton fix is going to be a national finalist. We're so certain of that, but then weird things happen in these tournaments. And we're pretty sure David Carr is going to be a finalist, but I've seen number two guys, Leland Weatherspoon, when my first year covering wrestling, he beat, um, in the first round, he upset the number two guy in the nation, number two seed. And it just, it shook the whole bracket to its core. And those things happen and basketball gets its fair share of upsets, but those things, those same things happen in wrestling. And the beauty of wrestling is there's a backside of the bracket. So now someone else who lost in that first round has to deal with wrestling the number three or four seed who got upset. And um, it's just a really if you've never watched or paid super close attention to the NCAA championships for wrestling, they're a lot of, lot of fun. Well, and I think the fun thing is that we're watching it all happen quite literally in a few hours. <laughs> that too. Yeah. It's a roller coaster emotion. It just moves so fast. And I think that is so fun. And that's why I love wrestling. And yeah. This is a side note. I was at the hotel eating uh, breakfast one morning and there was a group of guys uh, just having their own breakfast. And I could hear them talking about how <laughs> had they've been watching basketball. And it was just so funny to hear them say, oh, I don't really care much for basketball. I mean, if if it's on, it's good background noise because it's just not very often that you hear that. And I was like, I'm definitely in my favorite place to be, which is around wrestling fans where one of the most popular sports around is just kind of like back burner for them. Like no one cares how basketball was doing this weekend. So it was definitely weird being there and then checking Twitter and seeing everyone reacting to the Iowa state basketball game when I couldn't even, I can't even tell you what the score was because my brain was just like in wrestling mode. (laughs) So, well, that's the thing. Like, you know this because you see me on zoom. I'm redoing my kitchen right now. I can have a basketball game on, on, on the background. That's no problem. I did that when Iowa state played, I'm just like, Oh, that's good background wrestling. You can't have wrestling on in the background. You have to be paying attention to it because these are seven minute matches. They go by quick and there's a lot of them in a tournament. So um, it's, you gotta be tuned in and it, it is a lot of fun to be tuned in. Let me tell you. Yeah, I definitely agree. There's no such thing as casually watching wrestling. It's it's what you're focused on. And it is 
it's it is a beautiful thing which is why you and i get to do a podcast on it <laughs> absolutely um i mean my final thoughts on it is did iowa state have a disappointing weekend yes in the end they did they could have won the title it was a wide open field because and i shouldn't say completely wide open because clearly missouri went in and did their thing but it had Iowa state had every, all of the stars aligned. Everyone felt good. Everyone was in the best headspace. No outside things happened. It would have been absolutely attainable for them. And I asked Matt Cap about it after, and this is why I, I enjoy interviewing him because he like answered the question by saying like, well, we, we didn't win. Oh, I asked him about the growth. I said like, like just the overall growth of this program, because there is, there's a lot of things to be said about how far this team has come. And he was like, well, we didn't win. And then he was like, but I know what you're asking me. And then he like went into <laughs> his, went into his like analysis of how far this team has come. But yeah, I just, it was one of those where I, I was definitely rooting for them to prove the world wrong, how they wanted to about that. They are a hundred percent, a good tournament team. And they didn't, necessarily get that chance well they get another one in two weeks they get approved they're still a good tournament team in two weeks on the biggest wrestling stage there is that's right <laughs> i mean like you said earlier oklahoma has shown just how crazy you can be on one side and how yeah just being absolutely not good during the regular season and then somehow finding their way into the <laughs> top spots at the tournament. I don't understand how they work. I don't understand how they operate. It, good for them. I mean, honestly, good for them, but it doesn't make any sense. You know, I felt like I was in a tough place because I would watch their coach <laughs> in the corner and I have not been around their coaching staff in a long time because of that COVID year. Um, not the COVID year, but like that season, they wouldn't allow us down on the, uh, Matt. And so when he was just like being just being him doing whatever he was doing in the corner, I was like, I am not enjoying this person. <laughs> and I'm curious <laughs> what people feel about Metcalf and St. John and dresser, since I clearly am biased towards how I view them in the corner. But like, I just, they made it hard to cheer for them in moments. I'm like, gosh, you are not enjoyable, but that's a tournament setting for you. Everyone's heightened. I mean, Dresser was losing his voice after the first day. So, and that's a very un Kevin Dresser like thing to happen. He's normally pretty darn calm in the corner. He doesn't talk a lot. He doesn't scream a lot. Um, so the fact that he was losing a voice is it just goes to show you what a tournament setting can do. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, but any final thoughts, Ben? Or have we laid it all out there? Oh, I think we've covered it all, including things outside of Iowa State and the Big 12. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was a lot of drama. There's still drama right now. I know some smaller programs are very upset with the way um, at-large bids happen. And some of those guys are on Twitter defending themselves. And I, honestly, I'm glad. I think it's frustrating when smaller programs definitely get kind of bullied into a corner. Um especially since when it comes down to it, this is where as individuals is it's all that matters. And so it's tough when, you know, there are really good guys that 
don't get that same opportunity, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely. But, yeah, lots of fun wrestling drama for you guys. If you're ever curious, just get on Twitter. It's very <laughs> entertaining. Um, maybe we'll talk about it sometime. Maybe we won't. I don't know. <laughs> um, but Ben, thank you so much as always. And thank you to everyone for listening in and thank you to Fairway. As always, this weekend would not have happened where I would have been down there to be quite frank. Um, so without Fairway, truly would not have been able to get the content I did. So thank you to Fairway and thank you to all of you guys. And yeah, let's finish out the season. <laughs>